1: Then I was about 25 years old, I was uh, busted and into jail and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Pastor Bob Field based in Melbourne. How you doing, brother? Yeah, doing all right. good to hear your voice, Matt. It's great to catch up with you and we've got a lot of things in common, both being Coffs Harbour boys. I'd love to uh, hear a bit of your background. Tell us uh, whereabouts were you born and raised?
0: Well, I was uh, born and raised in Coffs Harbour. Uh, I lived there till I was about 19 years of age. And then I, I ended up moving to Sydney for about a year and a half, where I thought it would be a really good idea to try and ignore God. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, I discovered you can run, but you can't hide, which sounds a little bit biblical, I think. <laughs> but um, no, I, uh, I tried pretty hard to turn my back on, uh, on God and, and what I'd seen and what I'd known about him. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he wouldn't leave me alone, which really upset me at the time. Actually, I, um, I heard someone say once that they were a terrible sinner cause they get halfway through doing something, uh, which was mildly destructive for themselves or someone else. And, and then they would just feel the conviction of God or the presence of God. And, uh, that, that sort of resonated with me. I, uh, I ended up, uh, at university drinking a lot and not handing any work in and, um, uh, I was eventually asked to leave the university where I was. A couple of the lecturers caught up with me and said, we think it's in the best interest of everyone else that you actually don't continue with this course. So that sort of um, hit home pretty pretty hard. And at the same time, I was, um, uh, again, just chewing through and revisiting these really powerful uh, moments, encounters and experiences with God that I'd had, which I'd tried so hard to ignore. I was about 20 years of age by then, and I went, all right, all right, Lord, I, I'm going to point my life in your direction. I'm going to have a good, solid crack at following you and pursuing you. And and let's do this. And so long story short, I, I ended up in Melbourne, ended up married, ended up at theological college. I had been telling the Lord that I was never going to be a pastor. And then I lost that argument as well. And so I've I've been in pastoral ministry now for about 16 years. Uh, in all different sorts of capacities, in in different flavors of church. I'm not much of a purebred. Yeah, and the Lord has been extraordinarily faithful. I I tell people that I get to be the guy with front row seats uh, to what the Lord is doing, and it is the most extraordinary privilege and pleasure, and it's always incredibly humbling to see people's lives being transformed.
1: Mate, it's so good to hear what the Lord's been doing in your life. Uh, Let's just backtrack a bit. So you were talking about when you were in uni and you were drinking and, and you were a bad sinner because you'd start to sin and you'd get convicted. I, I think it's a, a fascinating conversation to have about sin because, you know, a lot of people say that uh, sin is fun. A lot of people say that sin is, you know, the best way to live because, you know, you, you might as well just do what you want. But the reality is there's actually consequences for our sin, um, not just physical consequences, yeah. but spiritual consequences, isn't there? Just unpack that for us. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. One of the things which I, I carry around now, you know, that there, there are things that we learn about God from from sermons or from text or or, or in these kind of uh, cognitive, intellectual ways, and then there's sometimes the Lord has us learn things through experience. And for me, my experience was that you actually do report you sow. That's a scriptural principle, and that certainly plays out in real life. Now, there are certainly consequences for for us living lives that are very, very self-centered. I reflect back on that period of my life now with both a sense of peace because God is gracious and, and there's been healing there, but also there is still that awareness and that sense of, of, I think, appropriate regret that there were people in that period of my life who should have got a better version of me and they didn't. People where I would love to undo the relational things that went wrong at that period of my life. That conviction still lives with me, and it will stay with me for the rest of my days.
1: It's interesting too, you know, because some people think that God is just a party pooper, and that he's telling us to be good because he just uh, wants to take away all our fun. But the reality is, when God gave us the Ten Commandments and God gave us, you know, the laws and, and the ways to live, we're actually better off doing things God's way, aren't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm aware that for, for part of my upbringing, I grew up in, in what would probably be reasonably described as a Christian bubble, that my family uh, was really, really involved in, in Christian things. My really good friends were really involved in Christian things. That they were kind of the circles that I lived and breathed and sweated in. What that meant, though, was that my perspective on, on what the rest of the world was like was actually skewed because I looked at the, the life that everyone else had and I went, oh, they're really enjoying life and I'm not. Or, or they're doing all these things that are really fun and and, uh, and they kind of get to do whatever they want. They get to do whatever their heart desires and I don't get to do that. I'm, I'm living under kind of this umbrella, which is not my own decision. And the irony of, of that is that the more I've certainly done ministry, but the more I've encountered people and spoken with people from all walks of life, from multiple continents and countries, The people who have lived their entire life without God on on the scene, the people who have lived, as some of them have said, their entire life in the dark, when they have come to this realization of, wait, there is a God. There is meaning. There is purpose. I do have an identity beyond just the consumerism, which is being force-fed to me by culture, you know, that there is a God and it does matter. When that illumination comes in, So often the comment that I hear from people is going, I wish I had have had this in my family of origin. I wish I had have had this early on. But sometimes I feel that, that, you know, those of us who've grown up in in kind of a Christian bubble, can we're the ones with a skewed picture of the world because we think that everything that's sinful is fun. But the people who've lived uh, even their their family for, for generations without God, are well aware of the impact that, that the life and light of Christ brings.
1: So good to hear you sharing about uh, the transformation you've had in your life. And let's just backtrack a bit. So you, you shared how you grew up in Coffs Harbour. Uh, your parents were pastors at a church called Bethel Church in Coffs, which is a four-square gospel church. I knew your, your dad, Mike Field, pretty well back in the day. He's now based in Papua New Guinea. What, what works have you been doing there?
0: Yeah, wow. Well, uh, mum and dad, when they, when they finished up ministry in Cops, they, after not, not too long, ended up moving to Papua New Guinea. Mum and dad had had their heart there for a lot of years. But they, they moved their whole life over there. They've said to bury them there unless uh, they're ever forced to kind of come back to Australia. We'll see what changes in the world these days. Mum has been working for Anglicare for, I think, 12 years. Dad was working for the Port Moresby City Mission. Uh, then he was working for the Chamber of Commerce. They're doing a lot of work in and around adult literacy and numeracy training and health training with people. They're doing a lot of humanitarian aid work. And I think they got given an award by the governor general uh, on behalf of the queen for a whole lot of humanitarian stuff. One, it is an utterly different world to kind of um, what Australian based Christian ministry really prepares a person for. One story which I'll tell is that Dad started a women's-only bus service. Unfortunately, where they're based in the city of Port Moresby, there is a really, really high rate of assault um, against women. And so they put together this bus service. And there were buses donated uh, from uh, companies here in Australia. The UN came and visited and, and were celebrating kind of this project. But that's the the level of kind of social support and um really trying to, to re-educate people uh, and to help people and to serve people as much as I can that, that they're doing on the ground over there.
1: Mm, well, it's just so good to hear that they're ministering in PNG and I've been to Papua New Guinea once on a mission trip and my heart is still over there. I want to go back at some stage and minister over there again. Uh, beautiful people and uh, so glad to hear uh, that your parents are, are serving over there. And, mate, you also did a bit of time in regional Victoria as a pastor in a small community and uh, you shared with me the other day that Christian Radio really was making a difference in that town. Tell us in what way.
0: In uh, in rural Victoria, uh, where I was for eight years, I was in a, a marvelous little town by the name of Karain, which some people might know. We had the pleasure of of pastoring in, in a Baptist church there. We we thought we would be there for, for a really, really long time. For us, eight years wasn't long enough. The, the Lord had other plans. But one of the things that had not really been part of my experience up until then, I'd never lived in, in kind of a rural or agricultural community before, is meeting people who, because of the nature of the industry out there, they will be not in regular kind of social contact with people for extended periods of time. So while harvest is happening or or if they're running a dairy or or any of these facets of, of what it means to be a primary producer actually have a, a big impact on the amount of time that people get to spend socializing. So we, we might bump into someone for a coffee, or we might see people at work every day, but often the life of someone who's a primary producer can be particularly isolating. And that was new for me. I'd never seen anything like that. But one facet of that was actually the Christian radio. Um, and there was some, some great Christian radio available out there was it was kind of assumed that this was now a normal part of being part of the community. We, we connect together on Sundays. If we can connect during the week, that's good. But otherwise, all of us during the week are actually listening to the same stuff on Christian radio. And it was great because you're getting fed sermons and good Christian content multiple times a day. It means that, that the kids of different families are listening to some of the same talkback stuff um, and some really challenging topics in that as well during the week where actually the Sunday service can't be the space for those conversations to happen, or it can't be the space for those testimonies to get shared. So it was a marvelous discipleship tool. And it was also something which helped us as, as communities to have conversations that, depending on the church you're involved in, were not considered appropriate to have those conversations at that length to that depth on a Sunday. So it was absolutely marvelous. And it, I'd never encountered. Christian radio functioning in that capacity until I was in a in a rural community.
1: Well, I'm so glad uh, you've been blessed uh, all these years later. And you know what? Uh, it's interesting, Bob, because you and I grew up in Coffs Harbour and were both announcers at Rima in Coffs Harbour, yes. uh, the local Christian radio. And you used to do the shift after me back in the days. Uh, and you were nine years younger than me, so you must have been really young when you were doing that. But isn't that fascinating? That here we are, as old men now, both pastors. Here we are on Christian Radio telling our story around the world, hey?
0: Yeah, and and honestly, I've I've, I've been fascinated. I mean, I've I've been listening to your voice on Christian Radio for a few years, and my my kids have been going, oh, we've been listening to this. And I'm like, Matt, I remember Matt. And at the same time, I've been going, I can't believe someone trusted me enough to give me a radio shift back in the day.
1: (laughs) I still think that every day. (laughs) (laughs) You're now serving at a Church of Christ in Melbourne where... My previous youth leader, Rod Clements, had been ministering for many years, and also a lady named Linda Bailey, who works in Christian radio as well. You've been working with them in this church now, and you've got uh, a drop-in centre caring for uh, people that are you know, doing it tough. Tell us a bit about what that ministry looks like.
0: Well, we had this spring up last year. So uh, if, if people haven't been living in Victoria uh, throughout 2020, last year we had lockdown for months and months and months and months. and Different states and different places experienced it differently. But it was a, a profoundly isolating experience in Melbourne. And the part of Melbourne we're in is called the city of Whitehorse. One of the things that happened during that space is a number of us from different churches started chatting together in a way that we hadn't before. There'd been some some kind of like ministers' association or I think the old language is like ministers fraternal sort of conversations. But what sprang out of that then was churches wanting to co-opt together and to play to their strengths to actually make a difference. So the short version of the story is that we ended up with 23 churches in the city of Whitehorse, working alongside the police, working alongside uh, a number of other care providers. So uh, being able to source food through food bank. There was a marvelous group called Mitcham Community Meals who who helped us out a lot We gave away about 12 tonne of food through this network kind of um, operation which ran last year. People were able to be referred into counselling. People were able to to be able to debrief. People were welcomed into community. People were able to get some pre-employment training and support. It caused, uh, it catalyzed something extraordinary among the churches. Uh, and again, like uh, that phrase that I used before, sometimes you get to have a front row seat to the Lord doing extraordinary things. Like we would do these Zoom breakfasts eventually among the ministers where we would have Roman Catholics and Anglicans and Salvation Army and Presbyterians and uh, and Diet Coke Pentecostal and Extreme Pentecostal. Am I allowed to say that on radio? <laughs> you I don't can know. say that. <laughs> but but we, we had also, attended, you know, Baptist and Church of Christ, <laughs> and it was just marvelous because we were all in, in these kind of Zoom rooms together And I said to to Karen, who was the lady who was chairing this, I said to her, look, you realize that you have the most important job in the church right now because we have not played together for 400 years. And here we are in the midst of a crisis and we are gathering because of the spirit of God leading us into mission together. Mm. And it's just marvelous, absolutely marvelous.
1: Well, mate, it's so good to hear what the Lord's doing in your life. And if people want to find out more about the church you're pastoring, uh, what's, the, what's the name of the website?
0: So the church that I'm at, you'll find at a website called one.org.au. That's O-N-E, so one.org.au. The joint uh, project which was going on is called Whitehorse Churches Care. So if people want to check that out and learn a bit more, Whitehorse Churches Care, if you look it up, you'll find it. It's, uh, it's hard to miss. But, yeah, it's... It is an absolute privilege to to be picked up and carried along and, and playing chasey with the Spirit of God. It's just marvellous. Well, um, and in between, we get to have these conversations. <laughs> we do. Bob, it
1: is so good to uh, hear your voice after all these years and so good to hear that you, you're serving the Lord. Um, I reckon you're a history maker, mate. Thanks for joining us.
0: Well, it's absolute privilege, Matt. Absolute privilege. Bless you, mate.